You're listening to the Perfectly Imperfect Social Podcast, a podcast designed to help female entrepreneurs like you stand out authentically and genuinely on social media. I want to get you creating the social media content that may be imperfect for others, but it's right for you and your business. I'm your host, Kirsten Jordan. I'm a social media content strategist, and I'm excited you are here today. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Perfectly Imperfect Social. I am Kirsten, your host, and thank you, as always, for listening, or if you're tuning in for the first time, thank you for joining us. Today, I have a special guest, Vanessa Grant. She is a SEO writer. We are going to dig into all things SEO today. So we're moving a little bit away from social. I hope you forgive me, but I know SEO is something that a lot of people have questions around, and so I wanted to bring in someone who could answer them for us. So welcome, Vanessa. Thank you for doing this today. Thank you for having me. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what the heck actually is an SEO writer? (laughs) Yeah, I'm Vanessa Grant. I'm a writer and an editor and a media strategist, and I have a specialty in SEO content writing. I have a background in editorial work, so I've worked for magazines and publications and written for a lot of them. And I slowly moved into online work and so I've, I have a good understanding and have had a good understanding of how to write for online for a number of years, but only in the last couple of years have I started to really focus on SEO. So an SEO writer is really someone who understands how to write for the web. And funnily enough, it's becoming more of a vague description because some of the things that people focused on for so many years, keywords and certain headings are moving away. And it's really just about how to properly communicate with your audience without trying to trick anyone. There was a lot of SEO trickery going on. Word stuffing. Yeah. And now that's not a thing. So really being an SEO writer is understanding how SEO works and then Mm -hmm. understanding how to use it in any kind of content writing so that people who need to find the content you're writing can find it. So one of the things that I notice a lot, especially some of a lot of the people that are listening or tuning in are female entrepreneurs. And I know one of the things that people struggle with a lot is how to write so people can find their content via Google. What I've seen a lot is people get hung up on language that makes sense to them and their business. And it's kind of flowery, descriptive language, but they really have a hard time of letting go of that because it makes so much sense to them. Is what you do, you take that out of the equation and actually turn it around into the content that people are looking for or searching for on Google? Yes. Yeah. So I can talk people down off (laughs) (laughs) the words they like to use. Like I would never use media strategist on my website Besides to say that's maybe one of the things I do, but I wouldn't Mm. focus on it as a descriptive word because I don't think anyone would ever be like, you know what I need is a media strategist. Mm. I need an SEO writer or I need someone to help me with my publicity or I need someone to help me with influencer marketing. They would never say, oh, strategy. I mean, maybe a corporation Mm -hmm. would, but generally smaller businesses are looking for specifics. So yes, I would help people figure out what the best words to use would be. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that starts with just brainstorming Mm -hmm. and then maybe looking at competitors' websites and Mm -hmm. seeing what words they're using. And you can find out what words other websites rank for 
quite easily using tools online. One is called Ubersuggest. That's excellent. And you can look up any other site there and it will list the keywords that they uh, rank for and you can compare. But really it comes down to looking up what would I Google if I was trying to find this business? And sometimes you need an outside perspective. Ask friends, ask people in a Facebook group, mm -hmm. what would you search to find me? And then you can use those tools like Uber Suggest and Google Trends is a very simple mm -hmm. one to use to find out words that do best and which ones make most sense for you. Print versus digital. How mm -hmm. should you write for digital versus print? What are some of the main differences you think that people should take into consideration? Unless you're reading The Atlantic. What? <laughs> it's yeah, been exactly. a long or time. Like I think Toronto I read an article. No. <laughs> yeah. I do like Toronto Life. I will say that. <laughs> yes. But yeah, the Atlantic, I mean, I was going to say, unless you're reading The Atlantic or say Toronto Life or something that has huge, long pieces in it, you really, your articles should not be huge, long essays without any breaks. People are lazy. I always say this when I'm talking to clients and it's sad, but people are lazy and they don't want to read. They don't want to read. They want to be able mm -hmm. to look at a page and know exactly what they're going to learn if they spend a little bit of extra time actually reading. So your content should be easy to read. It should be a service article, which is really just like a, it's like a how-to article. You want to break it up into sections and use bullet points where you can. Each section should have a heading. They can be subheadings. So when I look at that page, I want to see how to cut your own hair. I used to write a lot of beauty content. So then it would be like getting started, what not to do, what to do, who to ask for help. So you can see all those headings and you can scan through them and easily figure out what the article is about. And then if it's of interest, you spend a longer time reading it. So it's really about focusing on those little bits and pieces and making it easy to read. Now, there's lots of information that says articles that are 2000 words or longer do rank better on Google. Mm, yeah. And that's fine, but you still have to have all of those breaks. Yeah, I've always felt it's a little bit of a, it's a catch 22, right? Where Google, you have to hit a certain word count. I think it's around 700 or it could be less. You might know better than me. It and used to be 300. 300. Yeah. So even if you have to hit 300, that's still, that's 300 words, which can mm -hmm. take a bit of time to read. But then on the flip side, you know that people's attention span online is like less than seven seconds. We have an attention span right. of a goldfish these days, probably even less right now. It's like you've got to write 300 words to at least grab seconds of someone's attention or time to make them even want to go further, which mm -hmm. is, ah, what do I do here? Yeah, exactly. I always say get those 300 words in at least. And then if you can write as much as you can about a topic, if you have the expertise on it. The point of SEO at this point is really to provide service to your customers. So don't write an article about something because you think it's going to rank well on Google, but you don't really care about it or you're not an expert in it. Write articles that mean or blog posts that are meaningful to you and that you can speak to as an expert and the people who need to read that will find it if, if you're consistent with the words you're using and it all makes sense because Google really is looking for context now and it's smart enough that it can pick up synonyms and you mm -hmm. know other words that all make sense and go together. You don't have to 
used cut your own hair 40 times in the article. It actually, they are saying only needs to be used three times. It could be used once, but you use different ways of saying it without being too flowery. It can't be all metaphors, but (laughs) it should be picked up. And the nice thing is that Google's also getting more local and is getting smarter. So it knows other content you've looked at and it's delivering content to you based on your history, your Mm -hmm. location, your needs. As a local business, you don't necessarily need to compete with an international business because people may, you may show up on the first page of someone's Google because they live nearby or they've already searched a business like yours or they've seen your page before. So you don't Mm -hmm. Google, the algorithm is changing so much. The mystery of the Google algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm hearing you talk, it sounds like mainly you're focusing on the article side and helping people with their blog posts. Is that correct? I also do website copywriting. Cool. I, I do have a question. I'm curious mm-hmm. what, what you think. Do you think blogs are dead or are they still a good thing? I think I like the idea. I just learned about something called uh, the flywheel way of doing things as opposed to a funnel. It's a marketing idea that's been around, but I will give C&P Digital the credit. Mm -hmm. This is where I learned it. And it's this idea that you are continually working on the same stuff to build momentum. So it's like a a wheel that's Mm -hmm. getting faster and faster the more you do. So I think... If you have no reason to blog, I don't think you have to blog. The idea was that, and it's so silly when you think about it, the idea was that you have to update your website monthly for Google to notice and mm-hmm. say, hey, there's they're still content. updating yeah. new content. <laughs> so people started blogging, but not everyone's a writer. Maybe you could update your website in other ways, or maybe it doesn't need to be updated every month and people are finding you. But I do like the idea of the idea behind the flywheel as CMP Digital was presenting it is that if you want to become a thought leader or you want to become mm-hmm. an expert in a field, that you start writing your own blog and you do more blogging and you do more. And then you move up to say like LinkedIn articles and you do more of those and your blog. And then you move up and you try and get on Medium or you try and get an article in a publication mm-hmm. where they might pay you. So I do see blogging as helpful for that kind of idea and that you're gaining momentum to become Mm -hmm. an expert in that field. And the more you blog, the more people will pay attention to your blog. Mm -hmm. The more content that's there, Google respects that. Oh, they've been doing this a while. So if you have something to say, certainly it's worthwhile. If you don't and you're too busy to do it, either hire someone to do it or just don't do it. There are other ways to get people to to find you, like social media. If writing isn't your thing, find another way. Yeah, I I used to blog. That was my thing way back in the day, back when Mm -hmm. blogging was probably at its heyday, at least in the health and sort of fitness area, the 2000s, I'd say. I used to read a lot of blogs, especially from US women. And slowly but surely, a lot of them have stopped blogging. They've either moved to social media or they've decided to sort of become more private about their lives because there was a huge trend, as I'm sure you know, about just like sharing every aspect of your life, including what I ate this morning, what I had for my snack, my lunch, and all of that. One of the things, one of my pet peeves is, and this is a piece of advice for anyone that's listening, any website designer that says you have to have a blog, I would totally debate that because I see it all the time. And nobody, there's so many dead blogs out there on people's websites, especially female entrepreneurs. And I'm always like, why do you have this blog? My designer said I, well, then 
that is not a good designer to work with or developer. I'm just no. going to say it. Like they are not thinking about the user experience and you're not updating the blog. So it looks like your business isn't even in existence anymore. Yeah. So, but yeah, blog, that sometimes drives me nuts when I see yeah. like dead blogs. So that's why I wanted to ask you. And I, yeah, I talked to so many people who are like, do I have to blog? And I find it so stressful. And, I ha- and I'm like, you know what? My job is literally to write stuff. And that's my, that's what I do. I don't see how you should now be a writer and which also angers me because I don't like people who decide they're writers when they're not writers. Oh, I'm kind <laughs> but, of curious know. about that. <laughs> well, I think everyone should write. It's very good for creativity, your soul, yeah. for your soul, for everything. But there was a movement of I'm a writer now. And it's like, you don't have to be a writer. And it's mm. just, I have finally hired a bookkeeper because I am the terrible bookkeeper. And because I run my own business, I just felt like that was part of my job, but it's not, you don't have to be a writer. You can mm. hire someone or just find another way to market yourself. So writing is, it's so personal. And I think Mm -hmm. going back to people really hold on to the language that they love about their business. How do you, I have not been able to succeed at this with some people. How do you talk people away from that language that they, that means so much to them? And it's such a personal connection because you know, as an SEO writer, that is not the type of content people are actively searching for in Google. They need to know what it is that you do in plain language before they Mm. can trust you. I find, yeah, there are two types of people, either the people who are going to listen Mm -hmm. or the ones who aren't. There are people who maybe have to be pulled over a little bit. They're not (laughs) quite there, but they can be talked into it. And it's just, it's really just showing them the proof. Let's look up media strategist on an SEO tool. And let's see how many people search for that. Now let's look up SEO writer or editorial writer or editor or any of these words. And whoa, look how many more people search that word. The like, evidence. If you show them the evidence, then that can be very helpful. And they're allowed to keep those words. They can keep them. They just That's just not the focus of the page. <laughs> the page name. And I think when you get into the details of making a website, the like little SEO details, like mm-hmm. the navigation title and the page title and the SEO description, the business owner probably doesn't really care what goes in there as long as people are finding them. So as long as they can have a big bold header with the title that they love there and it, it depending on the title that it may not actually hurt their business at all it really depends on what they want to call themselves something i read about recently is that google is changing in 2021 to put a lot of focus on home pages and uh, heat maps the way people are traveling oh, i love home page if people find you by searching seo writer and then the heading on your website says media strategist they're going to be like uh this is not mm. what i came for so there is that to keep in mind as well no matter when whether google yeah, got or not yeah you're and your, your bounce rate so how long someone spends on your site if they immediately leave that's important i did a podcast interview a few weeks ago with someone and she said something that has really stuck out for me where i was like oh i'd love to talk about seo and those core metrics like bounce rates and i'm like but i sort of get the sense that female entrepreneurs don't necessarily want to learn about that or they're just wanting to talk about like social media and and those sorts of things and she's like I'm so fed up of people dumbing things down for us like I want to learn this stuff (laughs) so I think this is really great that we're doing this episode and what you're doing is awesome because people do need to up their game 
in today's world, especially with more and more businesses moving online and need to know, equip themselves with the knowledge of what is SEO? How should I be using it? How could I work with someone to improve my chances of, you know, findability on Google or Bing, if you use that? Yeah. And I think people should, you know, even if they can't get their head around it, I think you should spend time in your analytics program, whether it's built into your website or you use Google Analytics. And it, I have used Google Analytics off and on for years and still, I will find a hole where I have no idea how I've gotten there or what it means. It's important to be able to understand bits and pieces of it. It's like anything, like, I guess, accounting. They say, you know, know how much money approximately you've made this year. That's a good thing to know. Even if you have people doing everything else, just try to understand what's happening. Because if you're hiring someone to do a job, you should have a basic understanding of what that job is so that they're either doing a good job or ripping you off. Yes, that is very true. What's coming to mind for me is Facebook ads. I know Facebook ads is a little bit overwhelming at times, but you heard it here first, I'm going to be offering like a boot camp in the new year, specifically for female entrepreneurs, because I'm like, you do need to learn a little bit about it. Maybe you want to learn how to do it yourself. But even if you don't, like you said, you need to know enough. So you know, if someone is ripping you off, because Mm -hmm. unfortunately, there's a lot of shady people out there. Yeah, it's easy to throw $200 into a Facebook ad and three people clicked on it. It's great. (laughs) Okay, so how the heck do you come up on the first page of Google? What, What can we do? I think there are so many ways that you have to work to end up on the first page of Google. And I think, like I was saying, SEO changes and it becomes more local and more related to your or the user's activity and history that becoming number one on Google isn't really important. It's really that your people can find you and that you are number one on their computer. I like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, I think you're a bit controversial. And then I was like, no, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously you're number one on Google all the time. That's awesome. But as a small business, I'm working with a local hair salon that is well-loved in the community and are great. And they're selling certain hair products and they're like, oh, we'd really like to rank for this hair product. Yeah, but Walmart sells it. So Walmart is always going to win. Yeah. So these are the things you always have to keep in mind. And I, I certainly don't want to turn anyone off from bothering with SEO at all. I think it's very important. It's just being realistic about what is going Mm -hmm. to happen. And at some point you may grow a business large enough that you are number one because people search you and find you all the time. But part of Google results are how many times something is clicked. So it's just, it's difficult. Um, Like, so in the search results page, it's how many times like your site is clicked or that because your section of the site. Okay. Because if you Google hair salon Toronto and everyone clicks this specific salon, that's telling Google, this is the most popular contextual. This is the most relevant result because Mm -hmm. so many more people have clicked it. And I I actually had helped a client with their website and it went live and they were like, how come it's not showing up on Google. We're the only business called this. And they kept asking. I said, when you Google yourself, do you click on your link? And they're like, oh no. I'm like, well, please. It's not immediate. (laughs) You can help yourself. (laughs) You can't launch a website and all of a sudden Google's like, you're number one. 
Google doesn't know you're there yet. Even if you've submitted it and it's crawled your site, it, it takes a little while. Unless you're so there's, Sarah Blakely. But yeah, you have, you have to teach Google. So make sure you click on your own website. Ask your friends to click on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, there are, there are all kinds of things you can do. Obviously using the right keywords, having a, a robust enough website that has a homepage and about page, mm-hmm. a contact page with enough copy on each page to tell people what your site is about. Google apparently hates SEO. They hate it because of all the trickery, as I said, that people were doing to get users to go to their site. So they really just want to deliver users the best results possible. So the best way to get people to find you is just to deliver a good user experience. And also the things that tell Google that you are a good website is that people click on your website, that your content is consistent, it all makes sense, it's the right context, it's authentic, it reflects what you actually do, but also that other people link to you. So that is something. And that has also been, there's a lot of fraud around that uh, backlinks. If other people link to you and those businesses are reputable, Google notices that. So a while, well, years ago, you could pay someone to put a link to your site on their website, but it was just a garbage site. So Google has Mm. smartened up to that. And so it can't just be anyone linking to you. It has to be contextual. It has to make sense and be relevant. This business says, Vanessa Grant is an SEO writer and I'm a website developer and I've worked with her and she's lovely or something, you know, and then that's linking back to me and Google says, oh, that's a, that's That's a legit link. That's an actual referral. So it's really, I feel like a lot of running a business, whether it's networking or doing SEO or doing social media is really about being authentic and putting yourself out there. So it's really, you know, it comes out to networking. So Mm. you meet other people and you say, Hey, I'd love it if you link to my site, if there's ever an opportunity. And there used to be the guest blog thing too, right? Mm. Let me write a guest blog because I get links. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're bringing me back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not to say that no one should ever guest Mm. blog. If you have, if there's a business that you like and you really have something to say on their website that could be useful, then do it, but don't do it just for the SEO. Mm -hmm. I think SEO is, and I don't, by no means, I don't want to say SEO is overrated, but I think all of the tricks are overrated. It's really Mm -hmm. about just building a strong business and being a good business person and networking and communicating and putting yourself out there. In many ways, it's actually what I share with everyone I work with is social media is a long game. Good SEO mm. is a it's a long game too. If you want to be, you know, ranked on Google, it's not gonna happen overnight. It's something that you've got to work at and you've got to maintain integrity, you've got to maintain your genuineness and you've got to look for those connections. It's not just mm. all of a sudden it's gonna skyrocket. And right. I think there's this expectation, and maybe it's because digital is so immediate, all aspects, mm. right? That people think it's going to happen like that. I'm going to create my social media profile. People are going to start following me. I'm going to start selling, even though I don't talk about it. (laughs) It's just going to happen. And oh, my website's up. So that means people are going to be Googling me. It's you got to build a strategy around. (laughs) Mm. And no one's going to Google you until they know you exist. Yes. And if you're not talking about your business, certainly Unless your business name. Unless it's my ex-boyfriend, maybe I'll Google right. him. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you, you're you the only one with your business name and someone mm-hmm. Googles it, you'll probably be number one on Google. But no one's searching your business name until they know what you do. That's the same thing with social, right? Like you're not going to become a famous Instagrammer just because you feel like it. No, those days are over. Maybe it would have been like that 10 years ago when it was first getting started. But yeah, no, it's a lot of work. It's a long game, as I said. So if someone 
isn't able to work with someone like you, what would be your top tips in terms of your writing content for the web? What are the things that you should keep in mind? Keep in mind what it is that people would search for in order to find this article. You can go at this two ways. You can decide, I want to write a blog post or article about this topic and Mm -hmm. then go backwards and say, okay, what would people search to find that? Because I can't imagine there's really anything left that no one has ever searched for. Or you could say, okay, this is my business. I'm just going to start searching words around my business and see what people are searching for. And I don't, I don't really see that as being fraudulent or Mm -hmm. you need blog content or article content, a good way to brainstorm is just what are people searching for? I've written for publications in the last year, like legitimate publications that said, oh, we're only taking pitches based on SEO. So like, go online and figure out what (laughs) terms are, this was beauty, but what beauty terms Mm -hmm. are ranking and write about them. So yeah, whether you take it from the article point, you know, a subject point of view, or you want to brainstorm a subject, figure out what people are searching for, and then use those tools. Google Trends is great because it'll tell you which word is most popular, and it tells you rising and top terms that are related. And so you can use those words in your content. Is Google Trends open access or do you have to have it as open access? Open access and you can put in all kinds of words and you can get specific down to Canada or Ontario. Although I find the more specific you get, the less results you get. So you can kind Mm -hmm. of make assumptions that people in the States and Canada are searching the same because you'll just get better results. So yes, keywords, figure out the keywords, figure out very simple keywords that people Mm -hmm. are looking for, but they can be, if you want to get really niche and specific, they can be long tail keywords. That would be say SEO writer versus female SEO writer in Toronto. Mm -hmm. If you really just want to find your people as opposed to finding tons of people, then it's better to go with a long tail keyword because you're going to find people who really want to find you and will be more likely to hire you because they're looking for something very Mm -hmm. specific. So use those words throughout your content and make it as streamlined as possible. It shouldn't, you shouldn't be shoving keywords into phrases just to get them in there. You shouldn't be writing awkward sentences just so that you can fit a keyword in. Google is now picking up, the keywords don't have to be back to back. You can use a sentence and if they're close enough, it will still pick it up because I have had clients say, oh no, you have to use this keyword and you have to use it this way. And then you're just like fighting to make a sentence not sound terrible and words together. And then, yeah, you write the article like a service article if you can. Obviously, if you're writing a personal essay, you're not going to use bullet points and there's not going to be too many subheadings, but there may be opportunities to use a subheading here and there. Yeah, to chunk it out. And I recently read something like paragraphs shouldn't be more than four sentences, which is hurtful. Um, (laughs) I went to journalism school. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's like, really, really? Okay. I'll just make a two sentence paragraph. No big deal. And I also think you have to think about the devices that people are on when they're reading, Mm -hmm. right? So chances are they're going to be on their phone. Even a four sentence paragraph, it can look pretty long on your phone. Yeah. Really think about how people are, are accessing your information and what Mm -hmm. that environment that they're in. I have to ask you, do you think websites are now with social putting all the shopping functionality? I don't think so. And maybe it's because I'm on the edge of being a millennial. But if I, if someone has a Facebook page instead of a website, I'm like, oh, why would, why would you not have a website? For me, it just feels like, <laughs> even if it's just like three pages, it just tells me that they're legitimate, like they're a mm-hmm. real business. And, I, I'm, you know, I'm the same as you. I just had to yeah. ask because I think we're probably similar ages. And mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it is my age showing, but... 
because I've heard, you know, oh, websites are dead. We don't need them anymore. Social is borrowed ground. Your website, mm-hmm. unless your hosting company goes out a bit like it's right. yours, you can control it. But social, I'm not saying it's going to disappear Instagram overnight, but it could. Yeah. And the thing about Instagram shopping and any of those things is that you still, they still need a back end. So I think if you have a back end for the shop, just Put it on a website anyway. I would never buy anything off Instagram if I couldn't find a website for the business. No. No, it would make me. Mm. I've had some moments where I've clicked on an ad and gone very close to purchasing. To and purchase. then, but I, ha- I actually never have purchased anything through Instagram unless I really knew the brand. The person and the brand. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you that. I think maybe I know too much though, because as you know, anyone can make a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad. So when you think about like anybody, who just makes a business account can mm. throw together an Instagram ad. Anyone could be charging you money. I mean, sure, anyone can make a website too, but it just adds one extra layer of legitimacy. Yeah, for me, the website, I would never hire someone or I would never make an investment, say, in my business, like with another service business without them having a website. I might be drawn in by their Instagram or their social media, but if I was going to hire them, I'd be like, why don't they have a website? Are they legitimate or not? For sure. And I think I would need more than a homepage. Yes. <laughs> I would need like the about section, mm-hmm. I need to know their whole life story. No. I do like to read about people. Oh, and that's something that drives me nuts that I think is helpful. There are a lot of brands who seem to, they want to feel bigger than they are. So they'll be like, we are, and they talk about themselves and third person Mm. and we are this and we are that and you go to the about page and it's just their values and like their mission statement but I am more likely and maybe this doesn't go for everyone but I'm more likely to buy from a band brand or hire someone if I know that there's a real person Person. I want to know about that person I want to see a picture of their face Yes. And that is the, like you're preaching to the choir. Anytime I do a social media strategy, I'm always like, you need to show up. I don't care how you, like, I can't be you, even if I write your content. You need to show up in a video, in an image that you send me somewhere, your face needs to show up because Mm -hmm. especially right now, people want to support their local community businesses, especially, Mm -hmm. and they want to know the smaller brands, but you're right. You want to know who's behind it because I was chatting with someone the other day and they were like, oh, there's this new social media scheduling tool. And I was like, yeah, it looks good. But I'm like, I can't find an about section on their website. I don't know who's behind it. Mm -hmm. And that bothers me because it goes back to the credibility who is this business is there anyone behind it is it a bot is it (laughs) you know exactly and writing about yourself is brutal I still hate doing it but it's important yeah no it is important okay how can people find out about what what you do and where you are people Mm. need an SEO writer yes my website is (laughs) grantmedia.ca and on Instagram I'm Vanessa Grant Media I also have a influencer marketing business and it's mommy fluencer I would love to I'm just gonna sneak in one influencer question can I are influencers have things changed in that landscape a lot this year I'm always pushing nano and micro influencers on my Mm -hmm. clients and saying, do you think the bigger influencers are struggling right now? Or I don't think bigger influencers are struggling, but I do think nano and micro influencers are growing even more because engagement rates are dropping and they've dropped so much even since, even in the last three or four years for big people, it used to be five 
percent was a good engagement growth rate. And now I'll look at really popular influencers and they're like at one percent or less. So if you really want ROI, which is what a lot of small businesses want, they want mm-hmm. to see actual results, going with a micro influencer yeah. is going to be so much more effective because at least you can look at the ROI. If you have a hundred thousand followers, those people aren't engaging with every post and saying, Oh, you really like this brand, especially when every other post is an ad. It's hard mm-hmm. to take it seriously. Yeah. It's really just about genuine engagement and interest. And I found, I thought I had heard, oh, influencers are not going to do well this year. Businesses don't have money, but businesses have money because they don't, they can't do in-person things. So they have marketing money left and they're using it on influencers because everyone's online. I just wanted to sneak that in, but thank you so much. Maybe Vanessa will be back for an influencer marketing podcast episode. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciated it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Perfectly Imperfect Social Podcast. If you like what you've heard, I'd love for you to leave me a review or to subscribe so you can make sure that you don't miss out on future episodes. And I'd love to continue the conversation over on Instagram at Kirsten Jordan Digital. Until next time, keep being perfectly imperfect.